Milk comes in gallons. Welcome to the fact all. Welcome to the fact all. Your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the fact all. It's the fact all. Yeah, it's the fact all. That's right, this is The Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we each bring you a random and obscure fact, and you, the listener, can decide who the winner is. I'm your host, Alex, and with me, as always, is the hot steam machine, the hot skin machine, cucumber boy. What, the other day, he said he wanted to be called the flame boy. Uh, Mike. <laughs> the honorable you know Mike. I, I don't know where half of these nicknames come from, but I'm going to go with it. Yeah, thank you for nicknaming me. The flame boy you came up with at my son's <laughs> birthday party this weekend. <laughs> flame boy? Oh, wait. Did you hire uh, a, like a fire uh, stunt show and Mike showed up and you're like, oh, man, I didn't invite you to no, the birthday we, party. We were watching the Kentucky Derby and Mike just like, I want to be called flame boy from now on. <laughs> That's not what happened, but I'll go with it. All right, That's how boy. I remember what happening. And with him, as always, is his best friend. The weekday freak, Pat. Hey, everybody. How are you? <laughs> no fun stories for me. No fun. Pat was at Disney. So anytime a podcast gets missed, one of us is at Disney. Yes. And it's never Mike. <laughs> never me. I will never go. Three out of every four times, it's Alex. No. You guys have like season passes or you just uh, put all your savings into like Disney bucks or something. I don't know what you guys do. With I've only ever been... Three times. This was the first time I ever had to pay for it. And it changes the whole experience. And I go down once a week to make sure it's still there, and I come straight home. That's true. He doesn't even go inside. You just sit in the parking lot with a pair of binoculars, and, yeah, there's there's some characters. And you thought it was a big money laundering scheme for a while. Damn right. And it's part of my job is to watch out for money laundering. <laughs> Every year I have to take a training. <laughs> that is part of your actually part of your job. I know. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> is it really? I didn't know that. Yeah, life insurance is uh, a big money laundering opportunity for people. Ooh. And how does it work? How can I start laundering my money? Lots of ways. Yeah, money laundering. What it is is trying to find a legit source for how you have your money. Got your money. So like. We need to, yeah, everybody's need to, seen yeah, the Ozarks. Yeah, we've seen Ozarks. I just like I, I want to know, know how I make a fake one. I have never seen Ozarks. Well, yeah. If you guys ever want to learn how to be a money launderer, watch the show Ozark on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's get to the topic at hand. Who won last week, Mike? Oh, two weeks uh, ago. Well, not Pat. <laughs> I say that right up front. <laughs> get to say it like that. <laughs> get, get rid of him. Not yeah, Pat. Get, toss him out. No, a- actually, Alex, he won, won, won. Wait, did Alex win last one. week? Yeah, that's why it echoed because he had the draft, 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 draft. Stupid topical sports facts. They always. Did you guys win. even hear the echo I added to Alex's fact? Yeah, it was, like I don't listen to a lot you of when showmanship. You, talk. you have been hanging out with Alex. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mike looks taller in person lately. I think he grew. 
I've been taking growth hormones. I don't know yeah. if that's good or bad or Andy's what. Andy's spiking his hair. That's true. Mm-hmm. But my fact is, you know, you know, this time of year is spring cleaning. Yes. And spring cleaning stems from, in the old days, when people used to have their fireplaces in their house they actually used to keep warm. Over the winter, your house would get covered in soot. Yeah, you got to get all grime. that cold soot, grime. Yeah, yeah, so as soon as the weather got nice, that's when people would spring clean. You open the windows, dust off all the like the floors and stuff. The furniture, they would clean, take out the bugs and bat them out. It was like a whole week ordeal to clean your house from the winter. Yeah, now it's just like put away all those heavy blankets and storage. Yeah. Put all your parkas away. Yeah, because we can. Well, we don't have our houses covered in soot and grime, but it used Speak to be for like yourself. A... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's part of my decor. It's uh, yeah. It's a uh, what do you, what do you call it? Um, chic, modern. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They call it grime chic. <laughs> grime chic. Yes. They call Mike the grimy chic. <laughs> yeah, I like being. I just like feeling rustic. I, I I'm not rustic in real life, but at my house, it's a rustic din. Is your house not real life? I'm talking about outside. Like it's nobody's gonna run into me in the street and say, "Hey, this guy chops trees down." Uh, that's not true. And at work, we used to call you the rustic rustic pony. Guys <laughs> are trying to make up more <laughs> nicknames for me. I like the rustic. I'm now pony. rustic pony. All right, Flame Boy, Rustic Pony. <laughs> <laughs> My cup runneth over with uh, nicknames. Not enough. You got a big cup. You got like a gallon of a cup. Oh, yeah. Wait, like speaking your... of gallons, what else comes in a gallon? <laughs> uh, <laughs> milk also comes in bags. Quartz. Uh, comes in cartons. Doesn't uh, matter. Quartz. I, I spent all day thinking of that opening fact. <laughs> Where you go, all right, we hit record. I don't have a fact. Yeah. <laughs> milk comes in but gallons. But you know what? You know what won't fit in a gallon? Patch, fact, 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 tackler. Patch, fact, 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 tackler. Patch, fact, 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 tackler. Fact, tackler. I'm sure we could find a way to distill them into a gallon. Yeah. Nope. I tried. Probably get all the blood, sweat, and tears that I put into it. All right. First up for this week's daily fact calendar fact. In addition to their fur, tigers have striped skin as well. And each pattern is as unique as a human fingerprint. Really? Well, isn't as unique as a human fingerprint. You hear that a lot about a lot of things. Was well, the one thing that we can all understand as being unique? In the wild, if a tiger like commits a crime, you they just like laid a whole body down in like the print thing. <laughs> yes. And they put it on the piece of paper and they, and they dust them up. off. Yeah. That's probably just with a photograph. All right, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I like Alex's whimsical way of lifting up an entire tiger and dusting him. <laughs> uh, Alex does like dusting cats. Speaking of dusting cats, did you know that there was no shortage of assassination plots against Cuban dictator Fidel Castro? But one of the strangest plans the CIA hatched was simply meant to embarrass Castro by making his beard fall out. The goal was to sprinkle thallium in Castro's shoes during an overseas trip where it would be absorbed through his skin causing his beard to fall out and rob him of his machismo. But yes. he canceled the trip, so it never happened. That's a great plan. I'm going to do that to Mike. Yeah. So I'm just hearing that the CIA just thought he was that cool 
that they had to try to remove some of his uh, luster. Yeah. Was Fidel Castro that cool? I guess he had the cigars. I guess people liked him. He was a dictator, so they had no choice, right? Yeah. Yeah, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. His mom probably thought he was cool. You know what else is cool? Though it's exceedingly uncommon, there has been some research that suggests that some cats could possibly be allergic to humans. <gasps> yeah, have you ever yeah. seen your cat rubbing its eyes? So long cats have like held it above us that we're allergic to them. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, dogs feel bad about it. Cats like rub it in. They specifically go to people who are allergic to them and rub up against their legs. Yeah. But you you guys aren't allergic to humans, right? <laughs> I'm not allergic to humans, no. <laughs> that's why we do this over Zoom, is because I don't want to go near you. I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, you're always in a room by yourself, and you never, like, I never see you in real life. So I assume that you have to stay away from it all human. That's right. Hey, we met that one time, and I gave you a hug. But then you quickly ran into the bathroom and, like, Started scrubbing your body down with like some weird bar of soap looking yeah, thing. Because you're covered in you. grime. <laughs> you were so rustic. I had to wash it off. It was too rustic. You're so rusty. Had to go shower after I hugged you. Speaking of so rustic, did you know Earth's biggest waterfall is not on land? <gasps> what is it it's at? It's underwater. It's under the ocean. It's in the Atlantic Ocean, not under the ocean. It's in the ocean. Under the sea. <laughs> yes. Cold water on the eastern side of the Denmark Strait falls 11,500 feet below the warmer water on the west, creating an underwater waterfall. If water falls in the ocean, does anyone hear it? Does anyone care? Is the... Yeah. Um, I'm sure this is going to be a big plot line in Avatar 3, Waterfall. I thought it was called the Sea Bearer. Oh. Yeah, he has to bear that seed. All right, and this is my last one. The average person's nose filters around 20,000 liters of air every day. There you have it. Those are your fast What's that in gallons? I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Yes. I don't know liter to gallons. Just a math teacher. I don't know things. Yeah, I do know that if you pick your nose too much, it raises your uh, likelihood of getting Alzheimer's disease. Do here's a serious question. I could probably ask this at work. Do we really need it. to learn conversion of liters to gallons to grams to any of that with the uh, like with technology? The like it's just like just type in twelve gallons to one liter, or you know, like yeah. I just looked it up. Twenty thousand liters is five thousand two hundred eighty-three point four four one U.S. liquid gallons. Wow. I guess it wouldn't be liquid gallons, wouldn't it? It would be. No, we want it to be liquid gallons. What kind of other kind of gallons do you have? But it's air going through your nose, not a liquid. Air, liquid, it's all the same. Hey, this is not there. a science <laughs> science pod- podcast, obviously. And those were your face facts, everybody. And now we get into the real meat of the show, the fact off. Yeah, Alex was the victory man. Uh, his... Stuff is going into the Smithsonian. Do we, we call speak. ourselves the Victory Man? <laughs> I think so. I miss being the Victory Man. <laughs> I am the Victory Man for a week, and then you Alex get to wear a, a little. Nickname. You get to win. Uh, wear a little pin around. Yeah, says Victory Man. 
<laughs> I'll get one made up. Nice. I imagine it's going to look like the Hamilton symbol, and then it says Victory Man underneath. I like it. Um, Mike, you like cars. Wait, are you just going? We didn't establish an yeah, order. Going, you just I'm get right into it. Yeah, I got the pick. I'm going first. I like going first, and then I he can check out. He does like going first. He likes to check podcast. out. Yeah, he's like Mike, a library. You li- Mike, you like cars. Yes. And Pat, you like going downhill. <laughs> yeah, like this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So you guys both like boxcar derbies. Yeah, they're fun. And how they go downhill. Now let's think of a match made in heaven. I'll give you the brief history of the boxcar derby. That's fun. Myron Scott. He was a local photographer. He was just out looking to stuff to take photographs of. Local where? Dayton, Ohio. Okay. In 1933. Everyone's local somewhere. Yeah. That's the local man. <laughs> that is true. Everybody is yeah. local somewhere. Yeah. Um, That's my fact. But he, he saw three little kids just racing their homemade cars down the hill. And he's like, hey, kids, tell your friends, come back next week, and we'll have a bigger race. And next week, 19 kids showed up, and they had more races. Did he offer a By prize? Ad- Not this time. They were just racing. Oh, so he's just a By weirdo. the end of night. <laughs> they get to take a ride in his candy van. Yeah. yeah. Hey, kid, bring your friends. <laughs> but- Make sure you bring all the kids. Like, it is weird. They just, like, he told him to come back. It was also, like, 1933, so I don't imagine there was a lot going on. No, it's like they were listening to radio broadcasts, and that's about it. And hula hooping. Yeah, so by the end of the summer, (laughs) they had uh, 100 cars racing. They had up to 40,000 people, supposedly, coming to watch. That can't be true. That's what they said. (laughs) That can't be true. So the next year, he's like, I want to go out and find a sponsor for the boxcar derby. Soapbox uh, derby. So th- these are the soapbox ones. So to the soapbox ones are the tiny cars that are like like a, made out of a block of wood, typically with wheels. Yeah. Whereas the actual uh, derbies uh, are like the bigger cars you can sit in and they're, you ride down a hill inside. No, these are the ones. These are soapbox derby cars are the ones you sit in. You're thinking of the Pinewood Derby. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. So the <laughs> we're in this one we're talking about the ones you sit in. Yeah, people, these kids with the, the Rugrats, the, the Rugrats have this famously in one of their shows and movies, yeah. I think. The Simpsons famously. have it. Um so he went out and searched for a sponsor. And who do you think he got? Ford. Close. Chrysler. Close. Chevy. Yep, Chevrolet. In your face, Mike. Yeah, it had to be an American brand. So Chevrolet decided to sponsor it. So in 1934, they had their first championship. 34 winners from all va- local winners from all around the Midwest. Local where? Came, like wherever <laughs> they were from. Okay, it makes sense. Uh, had the first uh, winner. clearing that up, Alex. And a uh, kid by the name of Bob Turner from Muncie, Indiana, won the first ever Soapbox Derby. This sounds like something Muncie would happen from Muncie, yeah. you know. Well, like they were saying, like before it was like kids would build them out of like milk crates and stuff like that. He was like one that built it from an old uh, saloon bar, like took the wood and made his own car. Oh, so he cheated. No, it wasn't the rules. Now they have rules like limiting the weights and how much you can spend and how long you can spend on building your car. 
Yeah, they had the soapbox derby here in Cincinnati quite often with uh, from Red Bull. They've done it a couple years now. Well, that's that's for like the adults. They have like the actual soapbox derby ones like the, for kids. Is there actual the, league still? That yeah. Okay. Been, yeah, we did a few years still ago. Still going school. on. Um, little known fact about Myron Scott. It's all the other only information I have him. His other claim to fame is he's the one that came up with the name Corvette for the Corvette. Wait, the guy, like, the kid who won came up with the word Corvette? No, no, no. The guy who started the soapbox oh, derby. The guy yeah. who was like, hey, look, kids, come back next weekend with more friends. I'm going to come up with so new do, words. Do you, so do you think since he was so into this, he probably worked for Chevy, right? Yeah, he eventually got like a job with Chevy in like the 50s. So maybe yeah. that's why they were sponsoring this because. Yeah, and I think it was just like, it was like, it's with cars, it's full kids, it's good PR. Yeah, it's good you know, to get like, the kids in early to wait, the... Wait, were these cars for kids? Yeah, they're built for kids, by kids. It was, a, it was a car for a place for a car to be a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, the championship actually moved to Ak- Akron, Ohio. In 1935, the Akron Beacon Journey was like, we promise you, Chevrolet, that we can give you a permanent home for these races. Old so Akron. Yep, 1936, the Derby Downs was built by the Work Progress Administration, put in place by FDR. You know, the Great Depression where FDR was like, hey, we're going to give all these people that don't have jobs, unskilled labor, you're going to go out west and build roads and and Uber Derby race. And a, a permanent derby home in Akron, Ohio. How far is our Akron? Can we just go and watch a race one day? Yeah, it's coming up. The championship's coming up in May. I, no, it's a, did it say July? It's coming right. up. We'll meet you there, Pat. May we'll, or we'll July, one of those two. They're the same. <laughs> very, it's not, very it's similar not times. Because the qualifying in Cincinnati is in June. Are you I'm entering like one of your you're boys? You're looking up into the sky like you're making up these. I'm thinking. <laughs> no, uh, the James is still too young. The ages are 7 to 17. And do the, the boys have to build it themselves, or can we help? You can help. I'll, so, I'll help James build this little they have, vehicle of speed. They have three different Mike classes. Mike wants to be James's dad. They have a, because they have like a standard class that's like two, like I don't know how old the information I was looking up, but it's the cheaper one and you can only spend up to four hours. They have like a stock car you can buy. You can Wait, only spend up to four hours. How do they know how it. long you spend? The, looks like you spend five hours on this. Well, I think it's just guidelines. And then there's like a second tier of super stock race where it's like a little bit more expensive and you can spend a little bit more time on it. And then there's the master class where you can spend up to $500 on it, do as much as you want, like work on it as much as you want. <laughs> and this is for like the people who are like really into it and they have money and time to do it. Uh, yeah, but the track was built. It is three 10-foot lanes. It That's it. Three ten foot like wide. Oh, just <laughs> short like, race. <laughs> yeah, ready, set, and we're done. <laughs> the track itself is nine hundred eighty nine feet wide, and the, what wide? No. <laughs> uh, what do call it? So it the it, the steep the steepness of it progresses. So the for the first fifty three. Feet is 16% grade, so they would go 16 feet per 100. 
uh, feet. So and then it goes, okay, yeah. It slowly builds up speed until you poop your pants. No, it goes down slowly. The grade goes down to six. And then oh, so it gets okay. You get slower towards it. Goes, it flat flattens out. Oh, okay, but yeah, the uh, Derby Downs have hosted seventy six of the seventy eight events of the Soapbox Derby. But where was the, the one? The first two were in Dayton. <laughs> uh, right? Well, the the first two in Dayton. Ah, yeah, okay. I listened to it up. Yeah. Um, there was a dark time for uh, Soapbox Derby. The year was nineteen seventy three, Mike. A kid by the name of Jimmy Govins, Govins, I don't know his name, was racing, and his car was destroying people. So usually a car wins by like one or two feet. He was winning by like 20 to 30 feet. Oh, because he had a real car? Yeah, he was driving a Mustang. (laughs) He's driving a Corvette. You should call that a Corvette. (laughs) (laughs) And people were like, hey, this doesn't seem right. And it's also, he had like such a big lead in this first race. And as the heats went on, his lead was kind of shrinking. Usually, (laughs) your car kind of goes the same speed or maybe gets like a little bit faster over time. Mm -hmm. So what was happening is there was a steel bar that holds the cars back and they drop it down and they all go at the same time. He had an electromagnet in the front of his car. So when he put his head back on the seat rest, it would activate the electromagnet and pull his car to the steel beam. And when that beam went down, it was kind of shingshot the car because the magnet still wanted to be connected to it forward. That's awesome. Now, it, <laughs> this kid's not, not pretty awesome. brilliant. It's called, this guy's it's cheating. Where in the rule book does it say but that? Like ingenuity. Like uh, get this guy a job uh, at Chevy. They figured out that the reason why his. His car was losing its lead as the heats went on, is the battery was dying in the electromagnetic. Uh. So it turns out that his uncle Robert Lang, his his son, had won the year before. Clubber Lang. Yeah, and Jimmy, he just lost his dad, and his, this is what they said. Well, he did lose his dad, and his mom was sick, so he was living with his uncle. And his uncle said he wanted to give him like a head start because you got a scholarship if you won. So his uncle was like, hey, you should do the race. And he didn't really want to do it. And he was pressured it in. But his uncle was an engineer and he's the one who built the car. Uh-huh. So the kid wasn't the brainchild. No, nah, the kid, he's like, I saw an interview with the kid. Like, he's like, I didn't really care for racing, but I did it like anyway. But he ended up getting caught. They did an x ray. Of the car, and they found out the electric magnet. <laughs> this this sounds like the fishermen from last year that were like putting weights in their fishes. I know to, to win uh, free boats and prize and money was, and all that. This was right on the heels of Watergate, and people were upset with the controversy. So Jimmy had to give back the seventy five hundred dollars college scholarship, which would be like forty four thousand nowadays. Wow! He was supposed to give back the trophy, but he smashed it. <laughs> yes, and then he eventually gave back the silk ja- the silk jacket you get for winning. <laughs> he should have burned it. Um, and his uncle had was fined two thousand dollars and had to pay to like the boys and girls club of Colorado where they were from. Wow, that's a lot of money. Did he ever go to college though? I 
They're just weird. He seems happy. He doesn't really deal with anything. Seems all right. I called him up. <laughs> uh, well, the interviews are always weird. Um, he doesn't do anything with the uh, uh, racing or anything anymore. Yep. And that is my fact. Very nice. That's it. What's the name of your fact? The Fact Box Derby. Oh, I see, because you said like Soapbox Derby, but instead of soap, yeah. you put the word fact in there. Now, who has a better fact? You or Mike, Pat? My fact is not exciting. So I'll go for I guess I'll you... I guess so. Well, I'll just pick one of us to go. Uh, pack a go next. Get it over with. Get it, get it over with. So as uh, was previously stated on the podcast, I was recently in Disney World uh, and I actually got back today, flew in uh, about <laughs> 6 o'clock. Oh, your arms tired? My arms are real tired. Did uh, you really just get back today? Yeah. We, uh, we got to my house around 6 and then my lawn was like, the grass was like a foot and a half high. So then Your I had neighbors to are probably like this guy. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Um, and my neighbor was like right at the door we walked in. <laughs> So I ran out and I mowed it. I had to mow it twice just to get it all down. It was a pain in the butt. But anyway, I've been Disney World, and they have uh, this ride. My brother told me to go on. My brother Alex, uh, the yeah. Disney Railroad Train. What what's it called, Alex? Yeah, Disney Railroad. Yeah, Railroad. I think it's the Walt Disney World Railroad. So they have this like uh, steam engine, like legitimate steam engine refurbished. It goes around Magic Kingdom, and inside. The waiting area, they have, you know, some classic railroad stuff. And the one thing I read about was the Golden Spike. Do you guys know what the Golden Spike is? Wasn't that the last nail into the train track? Yes, is when they... Okay. So, Mike, have you ever heard of the Golden Spike? Well, yeah, generally the that's like a tradition when they're building railroads is to use the Golden Spike. So, the North America, our North America... Did you know this? North yeah. America's first transcontinental railroad was 1,911 miles, and it was a continuous railroad line constructed between 1863 and 1869. What's that in gallons? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was built by three private companies over public land, and they got a lot of help from the government to, you know, they gave them a lot of land grants because... And Chinese workers. I'll get to that. I got that. Oh. I threw that in. I got some facts about that. Wow. Uh, it turns out they, you know. <laughs> Selling your uh, facts short. You, you pretend like there's nothing in here. No, I just didn't say it was interesting. <laughs> I, didn't okay. say there was the, um, I thought it was interesting. interesting enough that I looked it up. All right. So it was built by three different companies. The Western Pacific Railroad Company built 132 miles. Seems like a lot. Nice. Then you had the Central Pacific Railroad of California. They built 690 miles. And then finally, the Union Pacific Railroad built 1,085 miles. Seems like somebody carried most of the... Yes. <laughs> it was definitely like the one... 132 miles compared to 1,085 miles. Seems like it wasn't built by three companies so much as it was built by one, you know, two yeah, companies. It's like this. it's like this podcast. I carry most of it. Yeah, and this is the 100... Right now, you're listening to the 132 miles part of, part of the podcast. <laughs> Um. All right. All together, it was uh, one thousand nine hundred eleven, and it connected. Now, this is when you think transcontinental. Like, what? What do you think? How far? Like, what do you like? Where would you start? Where would you end? I would start in Hoboken, New Jersey. So okay, East Coast. I'm guessing. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing Chicago. 
Uh, and then go to Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Omaha, Nebraska is where it started on the East Coast. You know, typical East Coast, Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Coastal. They're part of the coastal elites. And uh, and it connected to Sacramento, California. So I'm assuming they had a bunch of trains that went to Omaha. But, yeah, it was um, at the far, farthest part west that most of the train companies went. Yes. Now, this is what I thought was the most interesting part. Because yesterday I read that fact while I was at Magic Kingdom. And the reason I thought it was interesting is that it was 154 years ago today, May 10th, what? 1869, that the final spike was put in the ground. On my birthday? Yes, almost. <laughs> Just a few months short of being <laughs> your birthday. Um, and it finally connected to the East Coast and West Coast. Now, they said that this was like one of the first nationwide news stories because they actually had the ability to tell it both, you know. Well, they um, had the train to connect it. Yeah. And guess where those, uh, where the two uh, sides met? Between Omaha and Sacramento. I want to say Salt Lake City. You're pretty close. It was in Promontory Summit, Utah Territory. Ah, okay. so close. Yeah, I so would what not they have did, guessed that. They, yeah, they so they built from Sacramento East. They built from Omaha West, and they met in Utah. And they wanted to have this big, huge ceremony for it. So David Hughes, a San Francisco financier and contractor, came up with the idea of using a golden spike locomotives face-to-face you can see pictures of all this online yeah they have two train have you ever seen that two trains just like staring at each other they're just like mm-hmm. 10 those, feet apart those trains hated each other oh they were so pissed i like to think it was like two like weigh-in boxers you know, like mma guys getting each other's faces yeah, they yeah. had little googly eyes and it was the idea for um thomas the tank engine that's where they yeah. got the idea for yeah. thomas um so the one train was the Union Pacific number 119, and then you had the Central Pacific number 60, also known as the Jupiter. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, the spike was engraved on all four sides with the date of when ground was broken and when it was finished, though the spike has the wrong date because it was supposed to go into the ground May 8th, but weather was really bad, so they pushed it two days. So Damn it's actually, you, Mother Earth. That's why you don't engrave your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Before you use it, like engrave it later. Yeah, well, Mike already has his tombstone made. Yeah, it has the exact yeah. date I'm gonna die. <laughs> it has what I died from and and who I love on there. No one. <laughs> All right. Um. So it was immediately removed from the hole. <laughs> so they put it in a hole. They gently tap it. They have this big fuss, uh, and then they take it right out because they were afraid people would steal it. So, I, I don't know. It was very ceremonial. Is it in a uh, museum somewhere, or is it just they just remelted it back down again? You know, if you're gonna, you gotta wait to the end, Mike. You're like oh. someone who wants to see the post credit scene before seeing the end of the movie. I do. Anyway, the post credits of mine is what museum it's at. I'll mm-hmm. get to that later. All right. Um. Let's see. They missed the spike. Blah 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 blah. Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle said, on the Union Pacific side, thrusting westward, the last two rails were laid by Irishmen. And on the Central Pacific side, thrusting eastward, the two last rails were laid by the Chinese. As Mike alluded to earlier, over 12,000 Chinese had labored to build a rail line from the west. 80% of the railroad workers were Chinese. 
And there's a big controversy because a lot of the pictures, it was like, they said they missed, they proved the theory wrong, but people were saying that, you know, in all the pictures, like you didn't see any of the Chinese workers because back then they didn't, you know, apparently people were really racist. I don't know. Doesn't yeah, seem like that's our impossible. Has a lot of yeah, impossible. Yeah. Um, but then I read it was like, no, you could see in this picture there were two Chinese guys, and I'm like, well, if you had twelve thousand workers, <laughs> you think you'd have a picture of more than just two guys that are like in the background that you could like had to point out. Um, They're just camera shy. Yes. Um, and finally, at exactly twelve forty-seven p.m., the last iron spike was driven. Finally completing the line. And this is a huge deal in American history. So yeah. May 10th, 19, or no, 18, I lost a date. 60-something, 69. And finally, for all you museum heads out there, the Golden Spike was Ooh, donated. Can I guess? What? Can I guess? Yeah, sure. The Smithsonian. Uh, Mike? Uh, the Railroad Museum of... Uh, Railroads. <laughs> I love that museum. <laughs> and that uh, it was donated to the Stanford Museum. Oh, in Stanford. Yeah, I guess I don't know. And that okay. is my fact about the Golden Spike that connected East and West and forever changed the trajectory of the United States. What's your fact name? The Golden Spike of Doom. The Golden Fact. Golden fact. I like when I stumble upon something. I was just reading a sign that said, hey, on May 10th, the Golden Spike was placed and it connected the east and the west. I was like, hey, that's tomorrow. What are the odds we're going on a locomotive steam engine? And it was fun. If you go to a Disney World, you should take the time and go around. It takes like 20 minutes to go around and see the park. Yeah. Wait, so is the, is the Golden Spike in Disney still in the ground or is that like on display? Do they do the Golden Spike everywhere? I don't know. Or is it just at one time? There were other spikes too. They weren't. There were, I think, four total. There was a secondary golden spike that had the correct date that they made later. And apparently, the like the real one, the first one, was like kind of sloppy looking. So then they started showing off the second one, which was like a neater one that had the correct date. There was three spikes given to the elves. (laughs) Yes. Seven to the dwarves. Nine to the realm of man. But then there was one golden spike to rule them all. Yeah, one golden spike to find them. Uh, Mikey, you can go next. <laughs> all right. Um, have you either of you guys ever been to the White House inside, like a tour? No, I'm not allowed in. <laughs> I'm not. He doesn't like to wear pants. Yeah. Well, I'm on I, vacation. I'm not wearing pants. Yeah. So I, I, I found that you could still go and tour the White House. I think you have to give like a, up to a 21 days notice. And really? no more than 90 days. But you can go in. It's a self-guided tour. Um, I looked at it. You, you just have to have an ID, uh, a driver's license. <laughs> so you don't have to. Yeah. It seems like it's easier to get into the White House than it is to fly an airplane. To fly an airplane or to get on an airplane? <laughs> buy, you know, you know what I meant. You know what I meant. Fly in an airplane. Uh, but yeah, did you guys know that the White House, before the 1940s, the White House used to be completely open to the public. I did not know As that. it should be. You should be able to walk up and yell at your president. Yeah. Dur- yeah. We, he, we pay his uh, salary. You used to be able to, during lunchtime, go in and talk to the president. Um, it was just wide open. So, I'm like, I was curious about this. Like, uh, is there any, int- I was wondering if there's any interesting stories about just people going into the White House and 
what sort of shenanigans went on there. And uh, I found, found one none. I thought was kind of <laughs> none. No, there was a lot of shenanigans. I had to actually hey, whittle, whittle this down. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> so this story, like all great stories, uh, begins with a gift. And this is a gift of... the Magi? Not of the Magi. A gift of a 1,600-pound block of cheese that was given to Thomas Jefferson. And he received this during his presidency. How many cheese facts are you going to do? Oh, this this is... I I couldn't pass this one up. I I, I loved it. Um, So not to be outdone, though... Um, cause Andrew Jackson, his followers like, like, Hey, anything that Thomas Jefferson gets, Andrew Jackson gets double, you know, you got, you, you got to get Andrew Jackson hooked up with, uh, you know, with the, with the goods. Yeah. Uh, so his, his supporters, um, decided to give him a block of cheese and th- this is obviously when Andrew Jackson is present. So Thomas Jefferson, he's out. Andrew Jackson, he's in. Thumbs up. Um, so this cheese block was shipped in from a rural district in New York City. Uh, New York State. Not There's no rural districts inside New York City, <laughs> obviously. Um, what about the Bronx? The Bronx? <laughs> yeah. This cheese came from a rural part of the Bronx. Um, no. Uh, so this is the mammoth block of cheese. And it was delivered to old. I guess uh, Andrew Jackson's nickname was Old Hickory, so they they said yeah. it was for Old Hickory, and it was on New Year's Day, nineteen thirty six. Um, Seems like ooh. a prank to give someone that much cheese. I know it yeah. does. Because what are you gonna do? That's that's we're gonna get to that. What are you gonna do with what that size with of the cheese? cheese? All that. Yeah. Cheese what are you gonna do? House. Yeah. So uh, it was Andrew Jackson's was a fourteen hundred uh, pound block of cheese made from the milk of 150 cows. So it's slightly smaller than uh, Thomas Jefferson's block of cheese. Were these golden cows or just regular cows? Just regular cows. Okay. Um, But they didn't know what to do with it. So it was just placed on display in the front entrance hall of the White House. Yeah, and everyone, they had spoons laying out, just go up, scoop some cheese. Yeah, did they not have uh, charcuterie boards, charcuterie boards yet? Uh, how would you put a? How would you put a fourteen hundred pound of cheese block of cheese on a charcuterie board? Lay it on top. Cut it little by little. And that would take a long time. Um, what what else are you gonna do? And it's nineteen thirty six. Well, yeah, that it the, wasn't the soapbox derby wasn't going on at that time of year, so they got nothing going on. Well, this just sat in the the entryway to the White House for a year in open Does air. It go bad. Well, some cheese ages naturally in the open air. Um, obviously, it probably naturally. stunk to high heavens, and it, it did. Didn't um, everyone stink back then, though? Yeah. Yes. Stories are that the uh, cheese <laughs> yeah. stunk so bad that the entirety of the uh, White House was, like, covered in the smell, and they had to, like, repaint and do a bunch of different things to get the smell out because the cheese stink was just so much. Um. But yeah, like I said, this was sitting in the front entryway for a year. And uh, I guess at this time, presidents would just throw a a final party or a rager. (laughs) They they destroy the place for the next guy to clean up. Yeah, so... Everybody knows that the last party is 
a bunch of keggers. Mm-hmm. And he's hanging out. Throw all the TVs out the window. Yep. So he's like, well, that he thought in his head probably like this is a perfect time to get rid of this cheese. Like it's been sitting here for a year or maybe more, and uh, like this, we'll just call the public in, have a great big old party, and they can grab grab whatever cheese they want. So uh, he threw a party in. Here's a beer. Grab a chunk of cheese. Yep. It sounds party? like a good party. Yeah, I, I'm sure. How much cheese I'm, was at your son's birthday party? <laughs> yeah, not 1,400 uh, pounds. We only had 1,200. No. And I, I grabbed a big hunk, and I was just holding it with me the whole day. Yeah, but his name was Alex. So this party produced perhaps one of the greatest descriptions of cheese on record. Um <laughs> So for hours did a crowd of men, women, and boys hack at the cheese, many taking huge hunks of it away with them. When they commenced, the cheese weighed 1,400 pounds, and only a small piece was saved for the president's use. The air was redolent with cheese, the carpet was slippery with cheese, and nothing else was talked about at Washington that day. Even the scandal about the wife of the president's secretary of war was forgotten in the tumultuous jubilation of that great occasion. Wow, what was that scandal? Uh, I should have brought that in as a fact, but <laughs> you know, I, I decided to go with the cheese rager. I'm going to look up that fact. <laughs> <laughs> yes, next week. Tell us what, what was going on with the president's secretary of Do war. Do you think the secretary was a defense? Do you uh, think he, he brought the cheese? Like it was like a big conspiracy cover-up? They were like, this will distract him. You think it was like a Trojan horse thing? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there was a uh, body inside the cheese. But it, but if you look this up, it's it, there's some crazy like pictures of this. Like there's in, in the actual, like uh, I think it's in the White House itself. There's a big photo of like a bunch of c- civilians around this cheese like stabbing into it with little knives and and spoons and stuff to get like a little hunk of cheese with them so uh, but my House fact is Andrew cheese. Jackson's cheese rager wait hold on I'm looking for this picture of cheese before we continue it's a cartoon picture yep that's a big piece of cheese let me see it's bigger than the boy standing next to it yeah it's uh huge it's <laughs> gigantic so, like I said last time we, we commenced, uh, the government's obsessed with cheese. No, you're obsessed yeah. with cheese. <laughs> Next week, Mike's fact is going to be the history of craft singles. I hope yeah. so. And then followed by the Lunchable cheese. <laughs> yeah. That moon being made of cheese. I, I just want you to get, you, there's no way you would have ever fathomed that the White House would be covered in cheese odors. That Any of this happened. Like You would have never even thought of this. This is crazy. That's true. I don't usually think of anything, so. Yeah. So, all right, that's that's my fact. I think that's all the facts for today. I yep. would hope so. So I'm there you go, folks. Out. You have your three facts for today. You have my fact, the fact box derby. You have Pat's fact, the golden fact. And you have Mike's fact, Andrew Jackson's cheese rager. Try saying that three times fast. No. <laughs> So you can go to factoffpodcast.com and vote for which one you think is the best or click the link in the show notes and it would take you straight to the voting page. 
Uh, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify. Check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify. It's not a social media company. Uh, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, Facebook, TikTok. Mike is off work, so he'll be posting more. You make it sound and like I'm a homeless man. I don't know what you do. You're always like, I just yell at people for using computers. Yeah. <laughs> He's just on the corner. He has a the world is ending sign around his neck. <laughs> I, I got in trouble tonight for yelling at people. Who? Who'd you yell at? And it's gotten a gotten a big family argument about uh <laughs> computers. <laughs> you, you, let's keep this off let's keep this off pod. Yeah, no, no, this is on the pod. You know those food uh TikTokers that are just always like, Don't eat don't eat gluten. Don't eat uh, this. Don't eat that. Don't eat, you know. Yeah. So it, they always drive me nuts, and I'm like, stop listening to these people. Yeah, just eat cheese. The Big final fact cheese. of the episode. Eat cheese, people. Yeah. Yes. But, a um, big hunk of cheese. There you have it, folks. That's my big hunk of cheese. This Aww. podcast is pro-cheese and pro-Mike yelling at people. Um, have a great day. <laughs>